the devil was fighting you. Lord have mercy. Wasn't that awesome? What a powerful, powerful message. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Little book right after the book of Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? Thank you for being here so much. What a wonderful presence. Boy, what a song. What a special. The choir did amazing the special is amazing. To God be all the honor and all the glory. Uh, I do want to remind you once again, uh, next Sunday is the last day for sign up for church camp. So please get signed up. Uh, we want to take as many as possible to church camp. If you know a kid that would like to go, especially a lost kid, because I'll tell you what, it's hard uh, to take lost kids here and bring them back lost. Uh, it's very easy for them to find Jesus when they get there. So if you have a lost neighbor or whatever, let's take as many as we can to church camp. What a blessing that's going to be. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad to be saved. And I'm glad to know Jesus as my personal Savior. And I pray that you know him this morning. If you don't, I pray that you'll get things right today. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. <coughs> 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and in verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time of love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word today. Lord, give me power, give me strength to preach your word according to the way you designed it today. I pray the souls will be saved. Lord, I pray this word would change our hearts. I pray, Lord, that this would mold us into the vessels that would bring you honor and glory. I need your help this morning, Lord. I can't do it without you. And Lord, we need your presence in this place. Thank you for, for meeting here with us, Lord. You're already here. Lord, you're already in this place. You've already moving. You're working in the hearts of the people. You've worked through these songs in a mighty way. And you've prepared the way to the message. Lord, I pray you just take it home this morning. Lord, I pray that you would take it and you do it today. We love you. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. What time is it? What time is it? As a father of three children, that is a question that I am asked on a daily basis. Daddy, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Constantly, what time is it? And I'm so glad the day that Kaylin and Connor learn how to tell time. They don't have to ask me as much anymore, but they still ask all the time. What time is it? What time? It's amazing to me how consumed we are with time. It's amazing to me how much as adults we look at our, we used to look at our watches, now we look at our cell phones and see what time it is, what time is it. And we're consumed with time because we have so much to do, don't we? We have so many things to do in our life and we want to make sure we have the time to do it all. Well, one of the smartest men to ever walk upon the face of the earth was King Solomon. And through the inspiration of God, King Solomon sat down and he wrote this third chapter and he begins to talk about time. Notice what he said in verse 1, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. That's our, our key verse for the morning. And he simply says there is a time for everything. There's a time for everything. And he begins to go through in the next seven verses describing the different times of everything. There is a season for everything. And I want you to, this morning, I want to talk to you this morning, not necessarily about physical time, but I want to talk about some spiritual time. Because for everything there is a season. And there is a time for everything. And I believe there is a time for a few spiritual things to take place in our life today. I believe it's time. I believe the clock is there, spiritually speaking, biblically speaking. I believe it's time. And the, the man, through the inspiration of God, said there is a time and a season for everything. And so I want us to look at some things in our spiritual life that it's time for. 
that it's time for. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 24. Number one, I believe it's the end of time. What time is it? I believe it's the end of time. Matthew chapter 24. In verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, what shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? Notice what they ask. And of the end of the world. The disciples asked the Lord Jesus, What is the signs of your coming? When will be the end of the world? These disciples knew that deep down inside that the end of the world was coming. It is amazing to me to look out even in Hollywood of all the people that do not believe in Jesus. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in the second coming of Jesus. But it is amazing to me that every man and woman living upon the face of the earth knows in their instincts by nature that the end is coming. Hollywood, the last 20 years, has described 20 different things of how the, the end of the world is coming. They believe it's going to be a great asteroid. They believe aliens are coming and all of this mess. They have portrayed all of these different scenes that could end time as we know it. It is amazing to me how the lost world knows through their instincts that the end is coming. That the end is coming. May I tell you an asteroid is not going to end time. May I tell you, aliens is not going to end time as we know it. May I tell you, it will be at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The end is near, the end is nigh, and the end is upon us. And may I tell you that I believe what time it is, that it is the end of time. Now, you may believe a little different, but you can preach it when you preach. I'm going to preach it this way, okay? This is what I see in the Bible. This is what I see, that there is coming a day that uh, Jesus is going to step out on the clouds, and that's called the rapture. He's going to come with clouds. The eastern sky is going to split wide open. Jesus is going to step out on the cloud, and he's going to call the saved home, okay? And we're going to go home to be with Jesus. And that very day, there will be a peace treaty that is signed over in the nation of Israel, okay? And all of that will be done uh, to start the seven-year time of tribulation. And at the end of the seven-year time of tribulation, Jesus has not yet stepped foot back on the earth. At the end of that seven years, he's going to step foot on the face of the earth. And guess what? We're going to get to come back with him. And we're going to come back for the battle of Armageddon. <clears throat> and the battle's going to be fought. And after the battle of Armageddon, God's going to destroy the lost. And it talks about the, the valley that of all the blood is going to be there. Judgment is going to be cast out upon mankind. And the end of time as we know it will come to an end. And I want you to know that this world is going to end. Not by the power of man, but by the power of God. 
And it will end at the second coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you know Jesus, He's coming back for you. I want you to know that as these disciples are talking to Him and asking Him, Jesus begins to describe some things. And He begins first to describe some physical things that must take place upon the face of the earth before He can come back. And this is a fulfillment of Scripture because a lot of these things have already been fulfilled. And if they've already been fulfilled, that means that the end of time is at hand and that it's coming. And if you go through the Scripture, we will find some physical things that need to be done, not necessarily in America, but let us focus upon the nation of Israel for a minute. Years ago, it was prophesied that the nation of Israel would be scattered about and be dispersed upon the face of the earth. Jews in 500-something B.C., they began to spread. Nebuchadnezzar came through. And at that very moment, the Jews began to be spread out. And by 70 A.D., the Jews were uh, altogether pushed out of the land of Israel. The Palestinians began to make that land their home for almost 2,000 years. And then in 1947, 400,000 Israelites, by the power and the Word of God, marched into the land of Israel and they took back their land that God gave them all them years ago. And I want you to know the Bible said that before Jesus could come back that Israel is going to have to be scattered and then they were going to have to come back and form a nation again. And in 1947 they formed a nation again. And I want you to know that when they formed that nation again that was the fulfillment of the scriptures. That means that's another step closer to Jesus coming again. And when you look in the Middle East. Israel is set up. It's amazing to me that there's 6 million Jews living in the midst of 300 million Muslims. And may I tell you, them Muslims hate the Jews. They want to kill every last one of them. But they cannot do anything to them. May I tell you that Israel's not going to lose their nation again. Amen? And it's amazing to me how everybody in the world hates that one little bitty country. They hate them with a passion, but they can't do nothing with them because the zeal of God and the hand of God is upon that nation. And 300 million Muslims trying to kill them, and they can't do nothing with them. Six million people is blowing them back to kingdom come because the power of God is on their side. And it amazes me how many things are beginning to come together. And as I mentioned on that, uh, the very, I believe the day Jesus comes back, that the peace treaty will be signed. Have y'all ever heard of a treaty between the Palestinians and the Israelites that they're working so hard to sign? I believe that that is that treaty. I believe that's that treaty that the Antichrist is going to get signed. And I believe that that treaty is getting real close. And everybody in the world wants there to be a, a, a treaty of peace. God prophesied this years and years ago. Starting with Bill Clinton, he began to try to work out that agreement. Bush come behind him, try to work out that agreement. Obama came in, try to work out that agreement. Every U.S. president is trying to get peace. Our president two or three weeks ago stood and said, I will be the man to get that treaty signed. I had chills run down my spine. What time is it? The end of time is nigh. May I tell you that everything is in place. 
May I tell you that all the physical things that need to take place have taken place. I want you to notice here in verse 6. He begins to describe some things. And he said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that ye be not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. May I tell you, there's more natural disasters than there's ever been. There are more tragedies. There's more wars. There's more rumors of wars. Would you look at it today when you turn on the television? There's every country in the world that is on the verge of going at one another. May I tell you that things have not fallen into place like this. 2,000 years ago, Christ was on earth. And 2,000 years later, it's close to Him being back on earth. May I tell you, the Word of God is being fulfilled. I'll never forget a few years ago there was an earthquake in Timpson, Texas. A friend of mine lived there, just about destroyed his house. And I thought, man, you're not supposed to have an earthquake in Timpson, Texas. There's earthquakes going on all over the earth. There's famines going on. There's pestilence going on. Natural tragedies and disasters. It's not a coincidence. It's the end of time that is at hand. And you say, preacher, I've heard it my whole life. Preachers say, Jesus is coming again. May I tell you that we're a day closer to the coming of the Lord. And I'm telling you, as this preacher's preaching, and as preachers have preached to you your whole life, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again, and you hadn't seen it yet, hold on. Because He's coming again. But I'm telling you, He's coming like a thief in the night. Y'all ever had a thief come by your house? Did you know they were coming? No. They shocked you. They surprised you. They came like a thief in the night. When you least expect it, may I tell you, the eastern sky is going to bust wide open. When we think we're just going to get up, and we think we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, God said, i got another plan. And God's going to say, son, go get them. Go get my children. Man, what a day. What a day. That's better than Christmas Day. That's the best day in the world when Jesus comes back and He splits that eastern sky. May I tell you the end is now. Notice some other things, not just physical things, but spiritual things. Notice this in verse 8. Notice how He said this. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. That's just the beginning of it. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for My name's sake. And then shall many be offended. Oh boy. <laughs> Man, we live in an offended world. Politically correct. Jim Wells, you love that, don't you? Politically, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the world we live in today. That's the day in which we live. Persecution upon Christians is greater than it's ever been. Notice what he said in verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Notice verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. May I tell you, there's coldness in the church today. There's coldness in the hearts of believers. There's coldness here. Notice verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel is the kingdom 
shall be preached, of the kingdom shall be preached, and all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. He, he begins to reveal all these spiritual things that's got to take place. And he begins to talk about the, the coldness of Christians. He begins to talk about the deception among the church. He begins to talk about the falling away. But there's also in Scripture talking about a revival. May I tell you, God's still saving souls. But let me tell you something. The Bible said, Jesus said right there, before I come back, the gospel's got to get into all the world. Everybody's got to hear about Jesus before he can come back. Why? Because when they stand before him, they will stand before him without excuse. They will stand without excuse. So when everybody in the world has heard about Jesus, he's coming. He's coming. Boom. When everybody's heard about Jesus, He's coming. May I tell you the gospel is being carried out far and wide. May I tell you the gospel is in every country. The gospel's in, in every state. Even though these, these different groups try to press out the Christians, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread throughout TV, throughout communication, Facebook, Twitter, man, tweeting and all of that good stuff. They're getting the gospel out like it's never been out before. And you can, you can share the gospel to a bigger stage than you've ever been able to do before. I believe the time is at hand. What time is it, preacher? The end of time is here. I believe it's coming. I believe it's time. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Oh, please stay with me. Please stay with me. If it's the end of time, then you know what? It's the accepted time. If it's time for Him to come back, then it's time to accept Him. If that means the end is here, it's time to get right with God. Notice 2 Corinthians 6 and 2. For He saith, I have heard thee, and a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What does that mean? If the end of time is here. That means it's time to accept the Lord. You say, preacher, what does that mean? It means it's time to do business with God. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved today. If you are saved and you're living out of fellowship and out of the will of God, it's time to do business with God today. Today is the accepted day. The day is the day of salvation. Salvation is not for tomorrow, for Jesus could come back today. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised another day, another week. May I tell you the exit signs in our church is one of the most dangerous places in all the world because when you go out of that door and you exit the church, you never know if you get another chance to come back. You never know if you have another opportunity. You never know if it's going to be there for you again. What time is it, preacher? It's time to get right with God. It's time to do business with the Lord. The time to accept is precious. In Isaiah 55, 6, the Bible said, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Lost person, if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you, that means God is coming to you. As she sang, as they sang today, Jesus comes to us. We don't go to Jesus when on our time. Well, I'll come to Him when I'm ready. He'll come to you when it's time. 
And when He comes to you, that means it's time to get saved. It's time to get right. Do not let, let Him pass you by. Do not let Him. Don't say no to Him. I love that scripture there, Mark 5, when the, the disciples were out on the sea and the Bible said Jesus was out in the darkest hour of the night walking upon the waters. Take that in for a minute. And the Bible said that He would have passed them by. But they cried out. Don't let God pass you by. Don't let the Lord pass you by. Time is precious. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have tonight. I'll wait till Sunday evening. You're not promised Sunday evening service. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised Wednesday. Time is precious. But may I tell you, time is pressing. I read a story the other day that just blew my mind. In 1871, D.L. Moody began a series of messages on Bible characters at Farwell Hall in Chicago, Illinois. Large crowds were soon attending the meetings. On the fifth Sunday night, he preached to the largest congregation that he had ever addressed in that city. And he preached on this text, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? At the close of the service, he did not call for an immediate decision. He said, I wish you would take this text home with you and turn it over in your minds during the week. And the next Sabbath we'll come to Calvary and we'll decide what to do with Jesus of Nazareth. He considered that to be one of the greatest mistakes of his ministry. For between those two Sundays, the great Chicago fire broke out. Even as Mr. Moody went home from the service that Sunday night, he saw the glare of flames and knew it meant ruin to Chicago. About one o'clock, Farwell Hall was destroyed. And soon after, his own church on Illinois Street went up in flames. That group never met again. On the 20th anniversary of the great fire, Moody stood and addressed a great large audience in Chicago and said, I've never dared to give an audience a week to think of their salvation since. If they were lost, they may rise up in judgment against me. I've never seen that congregation since. I've hard work to keep back the tears today. I've looked over this audience and not a single one is here that I preached to that night. But I want to tell you one lesson that I learned that night which I'll never forget. And that is when I preach is to press Christ upon people then and there and try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would have rather my right hand be cut off than to give an audience a week to decide what to do with Jesus. What to do with Jesus. Time is precious. The time is here. And that very time after that, D.L. Moody began to have formal invitations in church services, which never took place before. That's how the tradition got started. You know why we have church... Invitations during church services? Because D.L. Moody got it started. Because he gave a group of people a week to think about what to do with Jesus. And he said, I'll never do it again. I've heard people say, oh, I went to that church. And boy, they butter you up and they got the, the music just right. And man, that preacher's laying it on you. Man, they're, they're slick and they're sly. May I tell you why we do that? It's because we understand you may not have tomorrow. 
We understand that you may not have tonight. We understand that next week may not be there. And I know you get tired of hearing that preacher, be saved today. Be saved today. Be saved today. But child of God, till Jesus comes back, we're going to preach. Be saved today. Because you never know, it might be you that walks out those doors to never come back in here again. That this may be the very last day and the very last opportunity. And friend, if this was my day, and if I knew if I was lost and dying and going to hell, I wouldn't wait till the preacher got done preaching. I would fall on my face and get saved today because the time is at hand. Jesus is coming back. I'm not promised tomorrow. If I'm lost, I need to be saved right now. I need to be saved right now. The devil's telling you to wait a week. The devil's telling you, wait another day. Wait another hour. Wait another time. Oh, there's too many people here. Oh, your loved one's not here. Oh, they are here. I'll be. The devil will give you a thousand lies of why you need to wait till tomorrow. Jesus said, accept me today. Today, 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 today. Today is the day to do business with God. Don't put it off. Don't let another day go by. Accept the Lord today. Accept the Lord today. Today is the day. Don't wait another day. Jesus gave you this day. Praise God for this day. Be safe today. Today, today, today. There is no tomorrow. There is no Monday. There is no Tuesday. Right now we got Sunday. And we got Sunday morning right here at Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church. You're not promised another day. You don't deserve another day. Don't you think that you earned another day? Today is precious precious and it's pressing. I want you to know the coming of the Lord is at hand and today is the day. Right now. Right now. Right now is the time to give your heart to Jesus. Right now is the time to come to these altars and fall on our face. Right now is the time to be saved. Right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now. We can sit here and we can tell the stories of all the people who left that great invitation of God. And they left to never come back again. We could tell the stories of people that said, I'll accept Him tomorrow, but never had tomorrow. We could tell stories of the thousands and millions of people that said, I'll deal with God tomorrow, but they never had tomorrow to deal with God. Because you're not promised tomorrow. I never forget a man in West Monroe, Louisiana. My dad went and saw. He witnessed to him and he witnessed to him. And he said, oh, preacher, not today. Not today. He left him. Later on, he called him. He said, preacher, in the morning. In the morning, I want me and you to sit down. This man was a drug addict. He was an alcoholic. He had all kinds of stuff. He had a track record and a prison record that long. My dad said, don't wait another day. He said, give me one more day. He went out that Friday night to party it up. One more time. And that was his last time. He walked down the railroad track off a well road in West Monroe, Louisiana and got hit by train. He never had that opportunity. He never had another day. But he had today. And you've got today. What are you going to do today?